This is Voices of Lancashire, a podcast about migrants who live in Lancashire and made their home here. I am your host, Lara Mumesso. I live in Lancashire and I am an Italian migrant myself. Voices of Lancashire is born out of my personal experience, which, I am sure, is shared by many other immigrants. How many times have people asked us the question, where are you from? And how many times have the same people made assumptions about who we are and what we do here, precisely because of our nationality? Assumptions that do not necessarily correspond to our life stories. Out of this experience, I decided to create Voices of Lancashire, a space where migrants who live in Lancashire talk about their life stories, why and how they moved to Lancashire, their impressions of this part of the world, their ambitions and their everyday life experiences in a place that has become their permanent or temporary home. For this first series, Voices of Lancashire will consist of 12 episodes published fortnightly, each with an immigrant living in one of Lancashire County districts. If you are an immigrant interested to know more about the experiences of other fellow immigrants, or a local interested to know more about the life experiences of your new neighbors, this podcast is definitely for you. Follow me. Hi, everyone. Today's episode is with Lana, a Palestinian migrant who arrived in Lancashire in 2016 as a refugee to reunite with her husband, a Syrian refugee himself. Thank you so much for being with us, Lana, today. Thank you for hosting me today. Thanks, Lana. So, Lana, you live in Lancaster, and Lancaster is quite famous in Lancashire County. It's one of UK heritage cities, it's a thriving and vibrant university city. In uh, Lancashire, Lancaster is popular for its medieval castle, that was also a former prison, for its town centre surrounded by independent shops, uh, for its independent theatre and cinema, the Dukes, where I like to go, and for its many free and art music festivals. And personally, every time I visit Lancaster, I have so much fun between cultural activities, music and pub hopping. And really, I often dream to live in Lancaster. So, Lana, can you describe Lancaster from the perspective of an immigrant who lived there? Yeah, actually, I agree with you. As soon as I arrive in Lancaster, I feel like it's my home. Because actually, it's not a big city and I like a small city. And as well, it's not a village. But the people here, it's very, very lovely, very kind. As soon as we settled here in Lancaster. We have a support from all the community and uh, the environment here of Lancaster, very beautiful, very green. And you will see a nice view, a nice field. So I encourage you to come here <laughs> and live here in Lancaster. <laughs> Yeah, so actually it's not just the experience of a visitor, it's also the experience, the feelings of someone who lives there, such a positive and nice environment. And Lana, you you were born in Palestine, but actually you lived in many other places outside of Palestine before coming here. So maybe can you share with us a bit more about where you come from 
but also what you did before coming here and how you ended up in the UK. Actually, I born in United Arab Emirates, but I am from Palestine. I am from my family, my dad and my mom from Palestine originally, and they moved to Jordan as a refugee when the, it was a war. Then they got married in Jordan. Then they moved to work in United Arab Emirates. So I born in United Arab Emirates. And I used to uh, to study there all my life there. But I got married there. My husband from Syria. And I met him in the hospital there in United Arab Emirates. But after the war happened in Syria, because my husband from Syria and I'm from Palestine, so we we couldn't live in United Arab Emirates as they start kick out the people from, especially from Syria, out from United Arab Emirates. And so my husband couldn't renew his visa. My dad, he left all the, his life there, 35 years. But as a foreign body, like foreign people, you couldn't have nationality or you cannot own your house there as well. So all you, our life, it was only working, 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 and we couldn't own anything. Anyway, I got married. So the company of like, where's my husband working? They, they didn't refu- renew his visa. So because of that, we cannot go to Palestine because of the war and we cannot go to the Syria because of the war as well. So we decided to go to somewhere in Europe. We was planning to go to UK especially because we we know how to speak a little bit English. So it's good for us to to be engaged with the community here. And can you describe the process of coming to the UK? First, my husband came. He came, he traveled to Turkey. And from Turkey, he, he traveled by boat. And he crossed the sea from Turkey to, to Greece by boat. And he was on the boat like 40 men with a small boat it was very dangerous trip very very dangerous if I know that I will not let him do it again so when he was uh, doing this travel how long did it take the trip from like Turkey to to Greece to UK it took like two months wow after that when he entered the UK he got like asylum seeker he become asylum seeker and he stay like six months until he got refugee status. After that, when he got a refugee status, so he can start working and he can bring his family. So we was waiting him in United Arab Emirates. And like I joined him after one year. Actually, Lana, it's quite interesting. So it took two months to reach the UK while you were not traveling with him, right? He traveled by himself because it is very dangerous journey, especially by boat. It is very small boat. You heard the news. A lot of them die when they cross the sea and it was really dangerous, really, really, because it's, it's, you know, it's very small boat, the plastic one. Yeah. While you were back home, were you, were you aware of what kind of means he was using to move from one place to the other, the dangers he was facing? Were you aware of the process he was going through? To be honest, I was not aware. My husband, he was aware, but he didn't tell me because he don't want me to worry about him and concern and 
because this is only the way we can go to Europe because we don't have any other option. So he decided to do it. At that time, if I know how much it's very dangerous, I will not let him go. Yes, I can imagine. We are settled here after five years. He's sometimes he has nightmare from everything what happened to him. Yeah. We know very little about the feelings of those who are behind. So in in this case, it's you and your children are back home. And you are just waiting, right? You don't even receive very clear or very detailed information about the journey of your husband. So would you like to share how it felt or how, how it is, this condition, what kind of condition you live in as you wait for your husband to finally be safe? To be honest, it's very, very difficult situation. The world is not enough to, to describe it. When you know your husband going somewhere and you don't know if your husband will return, but he, he will be alive or not. And especially the time when he went like on the, when he was in Turkey, at, at that time, they did not allow Syrian to sleep in hotel. And my husband, he has money. He took his money and he want only to rent a hotel. To sleep night, they refused. So my husband slept at the, on the street all the time because they, they was the hotel. They said, no Syrian, no Syrian, no Syrian. Even we have money. Everything was affect me emotionally because I was really worried. I don't know. And especially the time when my husband told me I'm going now to cross the sea because at that time, like, I can I didn't hear anything from him like around two days. So two days you didn't hear anything from your husband. So you don't know if it's he died or he alive. So we was really, really scared. I was praying all the time. <laughs> you make me cry now. I'm sorry, Lana. It's very very difficult situation. So it was like one day. One day I didn't hear anything when he crossed the sea. Then he told us, yeah, I arrived. Then also another, another trip when he got to fly from Greece to UK. And when he arrived to UK, the police will take everything from him, like his mobile, his everything. So I don't know what happened to him. This time also, I didn't hear like four days anything from him. So this time it's very bad. And I was with my, my family. Yeah, but. I am responsible to my kids, two kids, small kids, and I, I was working still, but I was living with my family at, at their house, like around six months or eight months living with them. So they don't have like my house, my family house that was small. So I was living with my kids and my family, like only within two rooms and one living room. That year, it was really very bad for us. Even when I, I found out that my husband alive now, he's in UK, but now it's a second step when you was every morning looking for any message or email to tell you that your husband now asylum, a refugee status. So your husband can brought you to UK. So this is the situation. It was really bad because every morning I'm waking up Checking my phone, checking my email, looking to something to read about anything, any message from my husband to tell like, yeah, I will book a ticket for you. You will come to join me. This is also, oh, it was 
very bad situation. <laughs> how long did you wait before coming uh, here to the UK? For how long you've been apart as a family? One year. It took one year. Okay. After this very hard, very difficult experience as a, a family apart and plus all the dangers in the journey, So when did your husband tell you, okay, now you can come to the UK, you have the permission to come to the UK? How did he feel? How was the process? Can you share a little bit more about that? We, we need something to prove that I am his, his wife to my husband. So it's not enough only the marriage certificate. So he starts, my husband, asking me to send everything like marriage certificate, picture from our wedding, picture of our kids picture of our life there every every single thing and because you know especially in like in arab culture we have different surname even if i'm married i would not take my husband's surname so it just make it more difficult <laughs> because i have my surname my family name and his have so we need some to prove it so it take like uh, yeah until i send all the letters all the paperwork then they They send it to me back and because also the embassy, it's them. Um, I used to live in like small city in United Arab Emirates and uh, the embassy in another city. So I have to travel to another city like two hours to go to go to have interview and to do the fingerprint and every all the process. So it take like after that three months until we he booked the ticket for us and we, we fly to UK. What did you tell your children throughout this year in the, all these months? My daughter, she was there like four years, three years, three years at that time. My son, it was, yeah, it was only one year. So I keep telling them about their dad. And, you know, we used to talk with them on, uh, on FaceTime, like uh, on Zoom, on, to see him. We was talking to him oh, every day, all the time. Yeah, it was. A big change for them to to go to to see their dad, especially my son, who was only one year, so they, he doesn't have any memories about his dad. So it was like, what this new man for him? All our journey it was really worth it when we joined each other and uh, finally. So how was it when you managed to see each other? I think you hugged or you were exploding of happiness. Yeah, we. I, actually, I was, I, I hugged him, then I was crying and because, especially I cry, yeah, because it was like a really, really not easy journey for both of us. For my husband, it's more than me. I was living with my family, but my husband, he, he was a sufferer, one who go with all this process. For me, I came to UK by fly and everything was easy for me. The hard thing was for my husband. I guess also waiting and not knowing what's happening is also very tough emotionally. I'm glad that everything went fine at the end and the fact that your family is here is proof that eventually it worked. And in our previous chat, Lana, you said that when you arrived here, many people helped you. So I would like to know a bit more about who helped you and what they did for you and also maybe what you needed the most when you arrived and also later on. In the beginning, my husband, he met, it was not a charity, it's a global link. It's a group, they, I think now they are a charity, it's, but more than charity, they are 
they're helping a asylum seeker and refugee. And they start to ask the government to bring the refugee to the Lancaster. They help him a lot in the beginning before I came. So they help him to find a house for us. And a lot of people uh, furnish our house, like second-hand furniture, sofa, bed. When I arrive, I found the support also from the Global Link and East Meet West. It's a group of ladies. They run from 2006. They help the woman in Lancaster to be with the community, like the East Meet the West. So like Indian or Pakistani, Muslim, with the community here, with the UK native language. But when we arrive as a refugee, they're starting to help the refugee woman. So it's become more for refugee and asylum seeker woman. So they helped me a lot, especially when I came, because to be honest, I am a Muslim and I came to Lancaster. I didn't see any like woman with hijab. So it's make me all really like I am alone here. So they tried East Midwest and Hillary to let me meet another Muslim woman, anyone a woman who speak Arabic, to make a connection between other women. I remember when I arrived also, Hilary, she came to my house and she took me and took my kids and take us to do a, a tour in Lancaster, like to show us where the, the school. And yeah, a lot of people, not only Hilary, a lot of English lady, Helen, Dorothea. Yeah, I remember they used to come and visit me speak with me in English and bring the present for my kids, especially also because the school was starting that time. So I put my daughter in reception. She started reception. She was four years old. It was very hard for her to go to school. She, she didn't talk English at all. And it was really, really hard for her. She was crying all the time. So the lady, they used to take her to school and provide for her interpreter and someone from different nationality, but speak different language. I, I remember because we were not having cars so volunteer to take our kids to school. Imagine yourself, you came to somewhere, you don't know anything. You don't know any, any single one. So, because maybe we was the first family, refugee family in Lancaster, it make also the difference. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. Other refugees, they have the same support. But we was the first family arrived to Lancaster, the first family, first, so everyone was interested to help us. Even I need spices from like I used to cook it in cooking. I, I couldn't find it there. So they were searching where we can find a shop that they sell spices, food, Arabic spices or halal food, halal meat, halal chicken. So it's make difference when you have this support. Also the children, it's really was my daughter. She need a lot of help. Any child, when you put him in strange country, strange uh, school, but he will be scared, his personality will become down. So you need a big support for children. And I know, Lana, that because you've been helped, especially through this network called East Meet West, eventually you became quite active within this organization. You are a co-chair, right? So maybe you want to talk a little bit about this network and tell the audience of Voices of Lancashire about what you do with this East Meet West organization or network. I mentioned before that we have a support and from this community and they was kindly welcoming us, helping us. So me and my husband was really 
active. My husband, he first started doing voluntary work with the Global Link. Then he become a caseworker with the Global Link. And me, I start working in the hospital in Lancaster as a clinical support worker because I couldn't work as a staff nurse because my certificate did not accept it. So I work as a clinical support worker as soon as I arrive. I start learning English. Then I start doing voluntary work with East Midwest to help other women. Then I become co-chair with Hillary. So we started helping the other women who came to Lancaster. They suffer what I'm suffering before. So we started helping them the same. We're doing now as East Midwest, we having drop-in every Thursday at the Baptist Church. We meet two hours from 12 to 2. We have shared together. We have some women, need, they need looking for jobs. Some women need to practice their English, to speak English. And uh, we do a lot of events like Christmas party, Eid party. We have a trip at the summer to the uh, Lake District, Blackpool. Like this, we do a lot of things nice with the women and children especially some of the women they don't like to be with a group of men so they want to be have a different group only for women especially if they are muslim some of them they don't like to be engaged with other women so because of that we make it only for women and children so it's everyone come and be happy and to relax express your feeling as well if they have some problem now also my husband after that he start working in university as an IT he get a job also every single step we find friends to help us especially to apply for a job but also in other hand we we do a lot of things for the community this is what we learn as you take you will give as well I'm still working in the hospital but I'm doing my process to convert my certificate to work as a staff nurse in the future yes actually I would like to ask you to talk a bit more about this problem that many migrants who have certificate degrees from uh, outside of the European Union very often is not this kind of degrees are not recognized. In the UK is a situation that is common to many countries. But yes, what are the challenges in this case? You had a job, you had the status when you were back home, and now you come here and what happens? Yeah, this is the problem. Me and a lot of uh, refugees, they suffer it. And they have very, very good experience in a lot of fields. Doctors, nurses, pharmacists. And unfortunately, the UK they didn't use us. We are keen to work as soon as we arrive. But unfortunately, the process here is very long and they didn't accept us. You know, there is nothing to support us with this. Like, they support us financially, maybe, maybe the job center, but they don't have something to, uh, to educate us. And I met a lot of doctors from Syria. They suffer from this. They didn't look what we have experienced. They didn't test us with our like medical field. They test us only by English. My study, it was all in English, not in Arabic. Or nursing curriculum, it was in English. But I'm not good in speaking English like now. But I'm, I'm very good speaking medically. They didn't test us with that. They will test us with different, something different. Recently, the NMC, they changed their policy and because like the people who lived in UK, like one year, I think, and they have work in 
in the hospital, they will accept us. No need to do English test. We need to do CBT or OSCE test. So last year, I heard about this news and I was so happy. I registered and I did the CBT test and I passed. Only what I need to do now, OSCE test. OSCE test, it's a training test. It costs 800 pounds. As I'm, I'm working in the hospital, the hospital should fund it for me, but they refuse the hospital to fund it for me. So I need to do it by itself and it costs 800 pounds. And I need to train me. All of this, nothing here to train me or to train another nurses because I know a lot of nurses here in Lancaster, the same situation, refugees, but they don't have any school or anything to guide them where to go, how to do, like, they should look at this because they, they are wasting a lot of things. Like, you have a good material, but you don't know how to use it. I did research with migrants between China and Taiwan, and it was a very similar situation. Is a problem that of the recognition of degrees and certificates between countries that do not have agreements. And eventually, as you say, resources that are available in the country are not actually exploited or used precisely because of this. So, Lana, I have another question. So, you've been in the UK for about eight years, and between your family, your work with East Midwest, but also your work at the hospital, how would you describe your life here in Lancashire? My life here in Lancashire, actually, I'm happy with it. So happy, to be honest. First of all, it's a safe country. Lancaster, I would say. In the beginning, we were looking for maybe to go to move to Manchester because it's a big city and to find job. But to be honest, no, we find job here. We are happy we settle. My kids, they go to school. My daughter in high school now. My neighbor is very kind, very lovely. We build a good relationship now with the community and we do a lot of things there. That's nice to hear that. I see... Two things here. The fact that uh, you are in a welcoming society, and that's also my experience in a different place in Lancashire, but also the fact that you feel part of a community and you are an active member in this community, so you're an active citizen, and so it feels like it feeds into your experience of being in the UK. So did you have any preconceptions about this country before coming here? or its society? If so, did they change once you were here? And if so, how? To be honest, anyone, when he moved to another country, especially like for us, we use in a totally different culture, totally different language from the Arabic city to the Europe city. And we feel like, oh, maybe I will not be engaged with the community because I am maybe... Muslim, I'm wearing hijab, how I will deal with them, maybe they are racist, especially with the racist thing as a social media everywhere, oh, it's racist because you are Muslim, you are, they are European. But when I arrived, I found out that they respect all the religions, even now, because I, I have to pray five times a day, so at the work, I will ask for time to pray, I will go to pray, they will find a room for me. Everywhere my husband can pray in the university, there is mosque, there is even like now we celebrate the Christmas with them, I, I, there is a, celebrate the Eid with us. So we're sharing 
as a Muslim also, we should respect other religions as well. To be Muslim in your faith, we should believe in other prophets, in Jesus, everyone. But yeah. you will we believe in us as well. So I visit my family back this year, and I will keep telling them that no, this is how we are so lovely, how we treat us, how we treat them. It's not like this. It's not like what we was expected. And every time, like the same question, my family, my husband's family, they will ask us, is there grace? Is there someone telling you anything bad? We said, no, nothing, nothing. Uh, we didn't fix anything in our life. Even now, we, we, we got a citizenship and uh, we, we own a house. It is the first time in my life I have my own house. How does it feel to own a house? My my family, they used to live in United Arab Emirates 35 years and they never have their own house. It's a big, big achievement for us. Under a mortgage, yeah, but at least you feel, feel like you're at home. You don't want to worry about anything because in United Arab Emirates, we use, even I remember my dad, or every year we worry about do they will renew our visa or not? Do they will take us from the uh, country or not? But now, no one will kick you out from the country that you live, you have your passport, your own passport, and you can travel anywhere. <laughs> this is a big, big achievement. The passport, it is a big achievement for us. Syrian passport, they're not allowed to visit maybe this country or that country. Palestinian passport, you cannot visit this country or, but now, UK passport, you can visit everywhere. <laughs> you can go everywhere. Yeah, especially, I guess, uh, as an asylum seeker and a refugee, eventually the, the citizenship is indeed an achievement, is eventually it allows you to have rights in the country, uh, to be someone in the country where you have moved. And this obviously is a sense of security, permanent stability. So actually what you just said uh, lead me to ask you another question. After almost eight years in this country, so do you feel you belong to Lancashire and the UK? Yes, even I, as I told you last year, I visited my family. I went for three weeks, but I was looking forward to come back. Really? Yeah, your country, it is where are you living? Where is your heart there? We feel like it is really our home. It's not like I'm, I'm still belong to Palestine. I'm, I've never been there, but it's still in my blood, Palestine. But my home here now in Manchester. That's so nice to hear it. So actually, I think this is a redundant question, but I still ask it. The very last question is, do you think or plan to return to your hometown? And actually, what is your hometown eventually? I don't have hometown, actually. Yes. A lot of people persuade my husband to go back. You have now British passport. Go back to Dubai to find a job. And, you know, because when you have the UK passport, they will have you, if you want to go back to, like, Dubai to work as a, maybe as a nurse, you will have double salary only because you are coming from Europe. They was persuading us, but we didn't feel like we can go back. I know, especially in this now financially problem in the UK and everyone suffering from 
everything high, expensive, everything. Really, we are suffering nowadays, but but at least, as I said, we, we feel safe. I want to go back and I, I will not feel safe like here. I will not be worried about, oh, someone will kick me out from home, someone will kick me out from the country. No. I'm here, the, uh, the university, I'm, I'm planning for my daughter now, she's in high school, she, she will go to the university. So it's a bit best university here in, in UK. So I will not go back. Oh, Lana, thank you so much. I think that with this we can end today's interview. Thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing with us such an interesting life experience here in Lancashire. And you, thank you give me this opportunity to talk about our journey, about our story. It was a pleasure and a honor to have you with us. And to our audience, see you at the next episode. Stay tuned. Bye to everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.